Morning, church. Hello. It's great to be with you. Um, I don't have an intro prepared. I thought it'll come to me. It'll definitely come to me. Um, it didn't. Um, apart from, and I think this probably trumps any sort of like cute intro or joke I could start with, is uh, I love when God speaks. And everything so far is basically my sermon. And uh, God's speaking. God is speaking. And I just want to encourage you, why don't you just let him speak to you this morning? Because he wants to. Could you just make that conscious decision? Just open your heart. Just go, yep, God, speak to me. I'm keen. Because I think he wants to. So here we go. We're just going to jump on in with Romans chapter 5. Verse 1 and 2, and it says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And now he declares us flawless in his eyes. That's not a bad start, right? That's cool. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, has done for us. Our faith in Jesus guarantees us permanent access into his marvellous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. Now that's not a bad start. That is good news. That is great news, is it not? That you, through faith in Jesus Christ, If you have that, you are considered flawless. I'm getting a little bit older and I'm not flawless. I'm finding things in me both externally and internally. I am not flawless, but through faith in Jesus Christ, in my relationship with God, I'm considered flawless. That's how he sees me. We are welcomed, accepted. We have peace and a perfect relationship with God. We have access into kindness through a demonstrated and proven love of God through Jesus Christ. That is good news this morning. And the even better news is that it doesn't, uh, it is not determined on the basis of you being good enough. Nowhere in that, those couple of verses says it's dependent on you doing enough. That is a tireless treadmill for me to have to try and be good enough to be accepted and approved and considered flawless. Nor are you excluded on the basis of what you have done. It's not in there either. And we are all conscious of the stuff that we have done where we have messed up entirely and we think somehow that excludes us from relationship with Jesus Christ. The good news for you this morning, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are welcomed, you are flawless, you have peace with God. The God from whom all things flow, you've got peace with Him through faith in Jesus Christ. But that's not the main point of today. So I'm going to keep reading. That was a good intro though, right? That was good. That was good. And then verse 3 starts with, but that's not all. But that's not what? It gets better. But wait, there's more. That's what the author's saying. But wait, there's more. Can it get any better? Verse 3 to 5 in Romans chapter 5. Even in times of trouble. Wait, I thought it was getting better here. We have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance 
And patient endurance will refine our character and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. But wait, there's more is typically a bonus. But did anybody pick up the tension between verse 1 and 2 and 3, 4 and 5? Because it says, but wait, there's more. It always includes a set of steak knives. And the author goes on to talk about troubles and pressure. Troubles and pressure, but wait, there's more. Don't get me wrong, I think we're, we're, we, we love a great story of tension and pressure and struggle and conflict and drama. If you take that from a story, ugh, it's not much of a story. You need that in a story because then there's something to overcome. We love that great story. Makes for a good read, makes for a great movie, yes? But it's also true that we just don't want to be the one in conflict and tension and pressure and trouble. Isn't that true? (laughs) We're all for overcoming if it's just not me. But there's this tension between verse 1 and 2 and 3 to 5 that talks about, man, you're flawless, you're accepted, you're welcomed, you have peace with God, a perfect relationship. And in that same journey, there's going to be troubles and pressure that bring about perseverance and character and hope. And I think as I've journeyed through life and journeyed with life with other people, I just know that in this room, we probably, we know those two stories. We know the tension of those two stories. We know the truth and the reality and the story of verse one and two. But we also know truth of verse 3, 4 and 5. We know trouble and pressure and pain and sorrow and heartache and disappointment. And that's what I want to speak about today. Yep, no, I thought I'd get a better response than that. (laughs) But I don't want to leave it there because I want to talk about the journey through to hoping again. The journey through that stuff to hope again, but I think we'll identify with some of the stuff that I want to speak of this morning. We know this story. I found this quote in preparation and I just think it begins to sum up something of what I want to speak about this morning. Each person must live in creative tension between what is in front of them in the world as it is and the possibility of how much better it could be. This mismatch of reality this mismatch of reality, and somehow we know that story. And I want to give you this morning two stories and two illustrations to help make sense of this. Several weeks ago, about a month ago, it was the end of the week and I was driving home. I can tell you the exact point on the road home where I began to just think, and the, the thought process, I reckon, was maybe no more than 30 seconds long, but it was just a moment where I encountered God, and it takes me longer to unpack and explain it to you that it took just 30 little seconds. But it's the weekend, and I'm driving home, and I'm thinking, I wonder what's going on this weekend, haven't got plans. And then I'm starting to think, who's playing football? Because um, both my teams are doing all right this season. Well, yeah, back a month ago, they were. And, uh, and I'm thinking, who's playing tonight? 
And then I, um, and then as quickly, because you know, you know those conversations you have in your head, it's just go boom, 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 boom. Just one thought rolls into the next. And then I begin to think, well, I'm not really sure who's playing, but it doesn't matter because if I don't have any expectations, I can't be disappointed. If I don't have any expectations on my team playing this weekend and winning, I can't be disappointed. What a great way to do life. Because I've had heartache and disappointment. I've had heartache and disappointment. And you know what? It's better not to hope. It's better not to have expectations because you get disappointed. And I'll tell you my heartache and disappointment comes because across my lifespan, I'm a Blues supporter, I'm a Parramatta Eels supporter, and I'm a Collingwood Magpies supporter. (laughs) God loves us all, okay? (laughs) Collingwood Magpies, they're doing well this season. They're on top of the table, although we've just lost two games in a row. It's okay. We might even get to the grand final, but do you know what? Don't get my expectations up because I might be disappointed come grand final day. I've been a Blues supporter for a long time. I was born there. It's the state of origin. Don't judge me. (laughs) But oh my gosh, the heartache and disappointment for the New South Wales Blues. I want to punch somebody. (laughs) Because we have lost unlosable games. We have lost unlosable series. Queensland gets a bloke sent off the field and they score two tries. And that pain and heartache and disappointment goes back a long way to when I was a primary teacher. And I tell you what hurts more than anything of heartache and disappointment is when a 12-year-old rubs it in your face the next day. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And you know violence is not an option. (laughs) But detentions work. The last premiership, the Parramatta Eels one, was 1986. That's 37 years ago. Give me a wave if you were not even born between now and 1986. Cool, you feel my pain? We made the grand final last year. We got spanked. We made the grand final in 2009. We lost that to dirty, rotten, salary cap cheats, the Melbourne Storm, who were found out later... To be salary caps, they are stripped of their title. What do the Eels get? Nothing. I'm not bitter and disappointed. I don't hold a grudge against the Melbourne Storm. Just don't wear one of their jerseys here one day. But what does it matter if my team's playing? If you don't have expectations, you can't be disappointed, right? And actually, it's an understandable human protective response. To heartache and disappointment is to just a little bit wall off and close off. I actually think it's a human response to heartache and disappointment. To just wall off areas of your life. And I realised if I don't get my hopes up, I can't be disappointed. And then I realised, well, that's just a safe way to play life, isn't it? And clear as anything, I just remember one thought just going bang, bang, bang. I'm not unpacking all of this in the moment. I'm just realising if I don't have expectations, I can't be disappointed and I'm doing that with God. And I'm doing that with God too. There's certain areas of my life 
that I've just walled off to make it safe, to create distance, to shut down the opportunity for heartache and disappointment. Let's just wall it off. Let's not get expectations. Let's protect ourselves from heartache and disappointment and play it safe. And I realised, oh my gosh, that's what I'm doing. And God in his graciousness began to unpack what that meant for me in the next week. Because in that moment where I said, I'm doing that with God, the next thought I had was then I'm not going to do it anymore. And it was this God transaction moment for me where I just went, I'm not going to do that anymore. Not because I'm some amazing human, because I just went, I don't want to play safe. I don't want to wall off areas of my life anymore. And I just felt like God met me in my car, driving home on a Friday night. And in the next week, I was in a couple of just scenarios with people. And I just felt like God say, just pray for that person. And my response was, no. Because I don't want heartache and I don't want disappointment. And God in his gentleness was just going, see, that's where you wall off stuff. That's where you play it safe. You withdraw. But what I realised, what I was doing was actually shutting down the flow of God and his life through me to other people. I was walling off some of my giftings that I've been given because I've been hurt there. I've been hurt and disappointed and it's caused heartache and I'm just going to retreat back to my little safe space. But what I'm doing is shutting down the flow of God through me to other people and I can't do that anymore. And God in his gentleness and graciousness has been taking me on that journey just to action the steps that I said I was going to commit to. And so in the last few weeks, I've just been listening. And when I feel like that's a God thought, that's a Holy Spirit prompting, just that person needs to hear these words. I'm starting to do that. And this morning I'm doing it here because I actually think that God wants to come into your hurt and disappointment this morning. He wants you to hope again. He's not coming to say you shouldn't. He's coming into that place of hurt and pain, of heartache and disappointment that you might hope again. Herbert Foxton emigrated from Ireland to Australia. He was, uh, he was uh, a young man, and he, of all the places that he emigrated to, he immigrates to Toowoomba. He's uh, just a young fella. He's, uh, he's become uh, an incredibly skillful watchmaker, and he's employed here in Toowoomba as that. But when World War I breaks out, he, uh, he answers the call. Herbert is uh, now on a boat uh, at 24 to Gallipoli. He serves there a very short time before the orders are given to withdraw uh, and he is transferred to the Western Front. Herbert survives for the next two years unscathed. But uh, I could only imagine in that scenario what he experiences, what he sees, what he endures, what he sees others endure and the horror and the heartache and the disappointment he would have seen. But in 1917, he is wounded for the first of three times, 
where a chemical shell, a mustard gas shell, goes off near him. What that does is if it gets into your lungs, it'll kill you. If it gets into your eyes, it'll blind you. If it doesn't do either of those, it will leave you covered in boils. Herbert is inflicted with that. He, uh, he, he lives, he keeps his eyesight, but he's covered in boils. He's sent off to recover. His thank you is, hey, welcome back to the Western Front. He is wounded a second time by shrapnel. Uh, he's sent off. He recovers. His thank you, back to the Western Front. And in about mid-1918, he is wounded for the final time, but this time horrifically. Uh, it piece of shrapnel goes across his face and uh, ruins his jaw, his mouth, his eyes, a massive gash across his face. And he is rendered blind and mute. And Herbert is uh, lying on a train station ready to be evacuated to hospital. Uh, he is loaded onto a train. But before the train departs, his stretcher and he are taken back off and he's put back onto the railway platform because the doctor has actually surveyed all the casualties and he's decided Herbert's not going to make it. So Herbert is disembarked against his own wishes, blind, mute, and he's lying on the platform for the next 24 hours. Miraculously, when they come back to evacuate soldiers the next day, Herbert's still alive and they make the decision to take him back. He's evacuated and makes his way to England where he is part of the pioneering of new technology, what we now call plastic surgery, but back then it was actually being uh, practised on a whole lot of guinea pigs. They were the soldiers from World War I where we're going to practise this new technology, this new surgery on you, and it was high risk. You're not expected to make it through the surgery. Herbert endures 25 surgeries and makes it through. That is how he's left. He is still blind, however, and so he convalesces in a home where he learns Braille and typing. In 1921, the war is over. He's returned home and... Uh, he struggles for the next two years in Sydney to find employment. And you can imagine the heartache and the disappointment as he's walking the streets day after day after day, blind, limited employment opportunities, disfigured, ain't nobody got him at the top of a short list for employment. And the heartache and disappointment of his life continues. But he returns to England where he is operated again and he receives partial sight. He returns back to Australia. Things sort of turn a corner and go up because he reunites with the love of his life, a lady called Ruth. He marries, they settle down and they begin to create a future, begin to create a family. But he struggles. He struggles for employment. In fact, he doesn't really pick up much until uh, World War II where he's employed in manufacturing. But in 1950, he loses his eyesight in 1960s, in the 60s somewhere, he loses his wife and he lives to the age of 94 uh, and dies in the 80s. That's not long ago for some of you in the room. It probably feels like it is, but it's not. But I love this photo. It's one of the last photos of Ruth with, uh, with Herbert. The smile on Herbert's face and there is 12 grandkids 
Now, it reminds me of a scripture, a very, very well-known scripture. Jeremiah 29, where God says to his people, I'll give you a future and a hope. I'll give you a future of 12 grandchildren and a hope. Shout out to my mate James, who actually gave us this story at our workplace and is in contact with one of those grandkids. But you realise that if Herbert had not gone through the journey of heartache and disappointment, of pressure and trouble, and let it somehow create perseverance and character and hope, there was a future at stake and it wasn't just his. There's a future at stake and it's not just yours. I just want to say thank you to a bunch of people in this room. Because I told you, I think I told you, it was in my notes, I don't know if it came out my mouth. I have two stories and two illustrations. I've given you two stories. My second illustration is there is a bunch of people in this room that have journeyed with Jesus across decades. And I don't know all their stories, but I I absolutely 100% know that there would be trouble and pressure and heartache and disappointment if you ask them their story. And what I love is they went, I'm not going to give up my hope in Jesus Christ because my future is not the only thing that's at stake. And if you look around, they're probably sitting in rows with you or near you. I want to honour you and thank you because you are the living example of Romans 5, 3 3 to 5. And what I also know that in that uh, journey of persevering and that journey of letting it develop character in you, you would never get up and go, yes, that's me. You would never do that. But I want to thank you that you're still here because you encourage my faith. And if you're a young person in this room and you're walking through, walking through um, struggle and pressure and heartache and disappointment, would you just look around and know the people sitting in this space have gone through the same stuff and they have considered God faithful. They have considered that he is worth following through the stuff that doesn't make sense, the tension of I am welcomed and I have peace with God and yet there's heartache and disappointment. And they've said, but I'm going to turn up. I'm going to continue on in my faith with Jesus Christ. I'm going to become part of a community and worship Jesus together with them. They are the living testimony of those verses and I want to say thank you to you. I want to say thank you. Thank you for just being here. Thank you for continuing to worship Jesus. You're the living example. I'm going to close soon. But I think there's a God transaction moment for some people here this morning. And I think God's been speaking to you. Maybe it's not the whole story. Your story is not my story. But you know that there's heartache and disappointment. 
that it's been easier to wall off and to play safe and withdraw from spaces because you don't want to be disappointed and hurt anymore. You know what? I totally get that. But it's a transaction moment for you this morning to say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore and invite God into that space. And just let him do something in your life that will cause you to hope again. Not to create just your future, but the future of others around you. Because the end of the quote that I used before, I'm not going to find it in my notes. Can we have that up on the screen, please? Because we must live in the tension of the world as we hope it would be and what we see in front of us and take the responsibility for moving your corner of the world a bit closer to perfection. I love that. I love that. Our responsibility is to bring a little bit of heaven on earth. As Shane Willard would say, the kingdom of God is life, light and increase. We've got to live in this tension where we're going to hope again and trust in God because the future is at stake and it's not just yours. I love just as we close, every eye closed and every head bowed. This is your moment. And I think you just know, you just know God's speaking to you. I'm sure it's a little bit messy for some of you because the heartache and disappointment may be quite raw and might bring a bit of emotion out and I totally get that and that would be okay. The reason we're closing our eyes is so that you can have the freedom in that moment. And just between you and God is a moment to go, yeah, I'm I'm just not going to keep doing that. I'm going to hope again. I'm choosing to hope, to trust God for my future, to trust God for the future, to trust in His faithfulness. And I'd love it if you would raise your hand to indicate that's you in just a moment. And then I just want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would pour out His incredible endless love, as Romans 5, 2 says. If that's you, would you just just raise your hand? Just say, yep, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That I'm going to hope again. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is there more? Thank you, heaps. That's just you. It's just your moment. This is not for me. This is just a proactive response. This is me to hope again. This is me. Thank you. Church, can we just pray together and believe that the Holy Spirit will meet these people in the place of disappointment and heartache? Holy Spirit, Thank you that you are gentle. You never come to condemn, but to bring life, hope, future. For these people, would you do that, Holy Spirit? Would it be a transaction moment to release the flow of God into their life and bring it into a flow of God through their life? I pray this in the amazing name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And while our eyes are closed, I started by reading Romans 1 and 2. And and if you have never actually trusted your future, if you've never hoped in God, 
He actually has this incredible offer for you. It's not determined by you. It's not on the basis of you being good enough and you are not excluded on the basis of having done stuff that you are so conscious of. He's, he knows of them too. And he looks straight past that. If you would just put your faith in Jesus this morning, he would welcome you. You would have peace with God. And I'm only just gonna give a brief moment, but if that is you, would you just raise your hand this morning to indicate, yeah, I want that relationship. I'm gonna trust God for my future. Is there anybody here this morning? Thank you, God. Thanks, church. As I finish off, I actually just, I actually just feel that this is going to unlock the flow of what we've been going on in the journey as a church, just unlocking the flow of the Holy Spirit into our life and through our life to just bring a little bit of the God of the universe into the corner of the world that you've been placed. And I know that's just become my journey over the last month, just letting the life of God flow through us. And if you would just go on this journey, God's going to unlock not the Holy Spirit just for you, but through you. Amen.